Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks to everyone who subscribes every week, checks out the series as we do release uh, brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, if you're a longtime subscriber, think about giving the series a rating, uh, leaving a review if you feel so inspired. That always helps. If you're not a subscriber, now is the time to hit that button anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is a friend of mine, Joan Shelley. The Louisville folk artist has a brand new record called Like the River Loves the Sea. It is an amazing statement. And she and I are going to get into some of the themes about it. She went to Iceland to record this one. So there's a lot of talk about what that culture was like over there and, and how it matched up with what she was used to, her collaborators, and the environment. When you're in Iceland, it's sort of one of the things you think about. And when you're in the planet Earth these days, it's one of the things that you're faced with. That's made its way in on a few of the songs on this brand new record. So we'll get into those bigger themes as well and how it all relates back to our home state here in Kentucky, as she says in her song, The Fading, which is five years behind, a joke that we've been using for a very long time. But beyond the lyrics and themes, we're also going to talk about her guitar playing, which does not get enough recognition. I'm a huge fan of hearing her play guitar. We'll talk a little bit about how she had worked with Jeff Tweedy on the last album and what that meant going forward. And she's recently covered a Hank Williams song. Well, not as much covered as actually rewrote in the uh, the old folk tradition. She'll tell us about that and being in the newest video for her friend Bonnie Prince Billy. Talking about the album Like the River Loves the Sea, it's Kyle Meredith with Joan Shelley. Hello, Kyle. Like the River Loves the Sea, a beautiful record because that's what you do. Oh. And I don't know if you mean for it to be beautiful because I also feel like you're talking about some heavy topics on here and mm-hmm. there's this thing that gets placed on you. I mean, reviewers, critics, right. whatever, they sort of have their natural places to go. Do you feel like that ever gets in the way? Like you're maybe trying to say one thing and they're like, oh, it's so pretty. Yeah. Well, I don't mind because that means it got into their consciousness. I think I learned it from this thing that Lorca learned in Spain, which was that women were whispering like dark, dark stories to their infants. It's the same thing as the cradle will fall, you know, mm-hmm. rockabye baby. It's this phenomenon where like you can only confess some of the darkest things in your consciousness while saying something very sweet and soft 
in privacy. So I feel like they heard it because it's pretty, but there's something for everybody and there's not just sweetness in there, you know. So I'm glad. I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> it's a bit of a Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was going to ask what I, I thought was that really broad question that almost seems like a silly question to ask an artist. Like, you do seem to be attracted mostly to softer sounds when, mm-hmm. when, when you're writing. And maybe you just answered that or maybe it goes beyond that. But is there a reason why you find yourself attracted to those those types of whispers? Part of it is it's kind of something that not everybody does. There's a lot of really one volume level kind of music in the mainstream. So I feel like I'm filling a niche that isn't. But also aesthetically, I'm doing that because of a physical limit. You know, I grew up trying to sing like Etta James and Aretha Franklin and Irma Thomas. And I was like, I'm not a really great singer. I can't sing very high. But then I realized like my voice isn't built to sing like that. And when I found the groove of it, like where it could do the most and was the most pliable and agile was when I sang soft. And I just kind of was like, well, this is weird and just leaned into it more and more and found more room for me there. There is a part of the story that I do want to hit because Iceland plays a big role in this. And as again, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quote a lot of different reviewers at once to say, you go to Iceland to sing about Kentucky. And that's mm. part of the story here. I think I want to know more about Iceland because I'm in Kentucky. Right. Isn't that and, the uh, way? Yeah. Mm. Because I, it seems like a mystery to me. Like this Iceland, I think to a lot of people, especially maybe in, in this side of the world, it seems like a bit of a, a mythical, magical place. Yeah, it definitely has that exotic alien allure right and for us there could be no you know people that like us tree tree people (laughs) bluegrass people that have all this green around us there's no more alien landscape than like a volcanic rock situation in the middle of the ocean just like cold and extreme daylight hours so i liked how far away it seemed yeah i thought it would be good for the experience is it actually a culture shock? I mean, is it is it different, the day-to-day life? Because ultimately, humans right. have figured out how to live, you know. Right. Everybody has cable television or streaming or whatever. I just dated yeah. myself by saying cable television. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can buy things. There was a 7-Eleven there, for example. I was like, why are there? There's a couple of them, actually. I think that's right. Or another chain store. And you're like, yes, you can get by. But the real experience is so far away from like the capitalistic the things you just purchase in a culture and then what do they actually do and the temperament i think was the most dramatic difference like the people that i ran into very calm on the outside i don't know if that's the same inside but it was just like these very it was like hippies of the ice it felt like all these musicians you just we kept bumping into musicians everywhere so it just seemed like they're on a different and then they'd be like, oh, I can play classical cello. And it was like really wizard kids that we were meeting. It's like, you have a lot of time in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had those collaborators, right? It was mm-hmm. two, two specific collaborators? The two, the string players are sisters, cello and violin. But they also were like, we brought a trombone if you want it. I, like, oh, I don't think I have room, but I really oh, wish I had. Yeah. You needed that B-side. Yeah. <laughs> Just horns. Joan Shelley in one lone trombone (laughs) i don't know what that song sounds like do you find that uh i mean a collaboration is a collaboration it's different from every single person but i guess i'm still hitting on the cultural side of things Mm -hmm. like what was that like we honestly didn't get a lot of time to find out because we were in the studio all day in terms of the broader culture so we but we had contact with the the musicians Mm -hmm. that 
you know, that worked there. So our engineer, Albert, was our main cultural experience. I don't want to put that on you, Albert, but <laughs> it was at first I thought, oh, wow, he's really shy and not talking. And Nathan and I kind of have that kind of always ready to make a joke something or to make things less awkward we're going to make a joke or self-deprecate or Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a kentucky thing upon a lot of travel i think we do that and this guy was so quiet and then by day three it was like he's been making jokes the whole time he's got the driest sense of humor it was and then when i figured it out it was like unlocking a a bouncy castle (laughs) it's like he's infinitely fun and he also is like, I'm a wizard at piano and plays on some of the songs and stuff. But I can only speak to my experience with Albert in terms of the culture. <laughs> you mentioned Iceland being the big volcano. It's two years ago. Every single question that I mm-hmm. think would have ended up on a record had to do something to do with the presidents, the you know the, the, the races and everything. It's, it's made a turn in the past couple months where it's like everything ends up being about the environment. Yeah. That's not a, an, an entire statement on this record. I know it plays into it a bit on you know a song like The Fading and everything, but when you're in a place like Iceland, I would think that is part of what's hmm. on your mind. Yeah, I think our artists, our writers, are essentially antennas for whatever the group emotion is, and it's going to come out there first of what is the deep anxiety. You know, We're like the anxiety antennas. And um, what you can't maybe confess in your day-to-day life with your like mother-in-law and your grandfather which is going to come out somewhere and we're just starting to worry whether you believe climate change was caused by that volcano one time or, or is inevitable or whatever it's like what are we going to do who mm-hmm. cares who's to blame like let's just say that it's like drier than before and it's more extreme than before and then what does that mean where do you want to live what do you just like the advice column version you know like so i don't know i'm just trying to deal with it myself and doing it publicly helps other people deal with it i think so you don't have the answers here i was really hoping you did sorry (laughs) (laughs) just keep a good sense of humor be flexible There is a, I mean, there is a line in the fading that I have to bring up because those three words, five years behind. Mm. I mean, when you live here, I think I think I understand what you're talking about because we make the joke all the time. I I wonder if everybody else kind of understands the same thing because I also think that those three words speak to the bigger picture of uh, you know if you're really talking about the end of days there, being able to see it from the present. I am not talking about the end of days because I'm not looking forward to the apocalypse and (laughs) heaven and salvation. I just, (laughs) five years behind, I like that as a phrase. And I do feel we are behind the times in Kentucky in a pleasant way sometimes and in a bad way sometimes. And I think everyone agrees. Um, (laughs) But when I I think of the end times, I think just maybe the the end of the way we're living now Mm. times, you know? life in this kind of pace yeah i like that better it's more comforting i think that's just true i mean we're on a finite globe it will only we're in the terrarium of this world right it's Mm -hmm. only going to just change dynamics as it always has Uh, five years later isn't that a mark twain quote about cincinnati that we've co-opted i know i keep so i looked into this and i think it's first said about part of germany it's like a, a saying that goes back to europe and is it's kind of like that thing where there's always a rivalry. So you uh-huh. say it about whoever's across the river or across, you know, like we, it's Indiana, some, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you always just make up something. But whoever is like your slow cousin is like the five years behind one. <laughs> Hi. Hello from Kentucky. 
Yeah. Or your slow cousin. What's <laughs> uh, your favorite cousin? The album opens with uh, with with Haven. I wondered if it said anything that it was the shortest song on the record mm. because it's like a glimpse and then get the hell out. Yeah, it's a nice. I like movie soundtracks because they have like a overture and like a you know the break in the middle. I like that kind of. Here's my introduction. Mm-hmm. It's this little short song. Or like in past records, I've done an instrumental in the middle, and I just like that kind of pacing for an album. So that one's just to kind of crack the book and get you in the mood for the rest of the record. But it's also, I mean, it's, it could be a poem mm-hmm. in, in that one line. I know, I know, you're a big poetry fan, and I don't know. Do you do you find yourself writing in that way and saying, "Well, that's not a song; that can only be a poem," or "This is a song"? Does that does that dividing line have to happen with you? I don't write anything without melody that I like. Okay. I guess I do write. Uh, I just don't like it as much. So, no, nothing exists in my world that's... I don't write poetry mm-hmm. in that way. I just write lyrics. And sometimes they seem more poetic than others. And sometimes they don't make the album. But this one, yeah, certain ones seem right. And your guitar playing. It's always about the lyrics. I did want to talk about your guitar playing, or at least ask about your guitar playing. Because you take a song like Coming Down For You. I was watching you play it live, and it looks like the simplest simplest riff i don't know what mm-hmm. you're doing but it's mm-hmm. like you're just it's hammering hammer yeah, yeah you're just hammering right there in this repetitious sort of way i think of repetition in the way john kale would talk about repetition or something like that as mm-hmm. and, and and there's a song right now that we're playing by a band called ride and they said even repetition is change mm-hmm. i'm not going anywhere i'm still not going anywhere specific on this other than to ask with guitar playing do you have the same discipline that you would with lyrics is it the same amount of work that goes into uh, it in the same way that you would with lyrics i would say i edit more in the lyrics and that the guitar playing has always existed to serve the melody and support the melody so i don't work as hard on it for me i do the same thing and the patterns pretty much repeat themselves with a few minor changes for chords and a shift um, but I, that's why I bring in Nathan Salzberg. So he can do all the changey stuff and I can do the repetitive so that I can stay like singing's hard so that I can sing sure. as well. Yeah. yeah. You're a really good guitar player. Thanks. I mean, you're with Nathan. He's a great guitar player as well. Mm-hmm. No discredit there, but yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, I do work on it. It's not that I don't have discipline. I do work <laughs> with an album like this. Then, so you come off the last record, you know, with, with Jeff Tweedy. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. I'm still impressed by that because yeah. we freaking love Jeff Tweedy around here. And I think, again, that had something where you've talked about it before, having to give a little bit of control, you know, to someone else. Mm-hmm. Do you go into each record thinking, I do want it to sound exactly like this? Because with this mm-hmm. record, I put the headphones on and it's so in the room. You know, mm-hmm. there is such a unique sound of this one that doesn't sound like your other records in certain ways. Yeah. Um, I use... I'm not very good with words when it comes to engineering, like the drum sound or something, or the record sound, but I do know that my favorite records sound a very certain way, and I bring them along with me, and if ever I feel lost in the recording process, or ahead of the process, I send it to who's working with me, and like, I want it to sound in this vein, that I have a collection that I can always go back to and compare what we've done against and kind of tweak it so it lives in the same world, but ultimately it's going to sound like its own thing. And that's what I'm going for. You know, that's mm-hmm. why we went to Iceland. It's like, okay, let's do something we've never done before. See how Iceland sounds, you know, how, how thick is the air there? Because it's certainly very thick in Kentucky. But, um, you know, and just capture that experience as best you can. And uh, when things are very new. So 
in a lot of ways, it's just chance, I would say. Yeah, there was a line you said, uh, I like to work with limits. Yeah. I don't think that's usually the line an artist would say. I think good artists would say it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not fair. That's not fair. But I've heard a lot of my favorite musicians talk about limits as as a more generative situation like if say you could choose from any car in the world you're like i gotta get a car and i can actually afford every kind of car what car am i getting it's harder to make a decision than to say like okay i've got five thousand dollars what can i do with this (laughs) and and when you're in that situation i think it's a very human taking advantage of a human process a, a talent that only humans have which is like okay I have a pencil and a piece of string. What can I do? <laughs> and you create a whole world with those two things. Because that's what, I don't know. That's what makes us great. This is kind of what we can invent. invent. And MacGyver can get like seven seasons out of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go pencil. You recently posted a cover of a Hank Williams song of mm. you doing it. But you, you've sort of, you've added to it. I rewrote most of the lyrics. Yeah. In a very folk tradition sort of way. Mm-hmm. What was the idea? I was just um, listening to the news about you know, the forest fires in the Amazon and in Brazil and how the leaders suppose, you know, are treating this stuff. And I was just like, this is, so, this is so violent. This is such a violent thing. And certain, I, yeah. So it was upsetting. I was upset. And I knew the Hank Williams song, Set in the Woods on Fire. So it was just stuck in my head, Set in the Woods on Fire. You know, we were in... Illinois playing a show and in the hotel parking lot I was I had drank coffee and I just sat there and I was like no I'm going to rework the whole thing and I wrote out all the new words and Nathan and I in the hotel room kind of just recorded it and uh, it was a very it was a sweeping thing it was kind of inspired by just kind of the silliness yeah. of that situation and the anger yeah you going to release that do you, do you release stuff or is it just for I live just, yeah that's for people who follow me on social things and it's in the tradition like you said so i give it freely in that way you ended up in the uh in the the bonnie prince billy song uh back of the pit yeah is that like looking at a song like the fading we're talking about hank williams do you find that like that's the rest of the story i would say that will's on his own in i wouldn't put my story in with that one that one is so funny to me like you know where do we put our kimchi jars and seance gear and stuff and the answer in the song is the back of the pit which you know and that you and i have the keys to repopulate the world which is only funny because you know you don't if it's just the two of you (laughs) and the rest of the world is gone like that's a recipe for (laughs) some bad breeding but at least so i think he's doing that tongue-in-cheek but maybe i'm wrong it's just a we cannot hole away our favorite things and live you know us against the rest of the world all of us are none we really we're like all in it together so it's cheesy it's like a dr bronner's bottle right here (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm talking about that's for you this is probably the best way to wrap up the interview right (laughs) your closing (laughs) statement the video for that by the way looked really fun it looked like it was super fun to make yeah are you in any of the animal masks too no or just on the horse i'm just on the horse yeah Mm. Just doing my mounted shooting. Coming from the guy who blueberried himself up on the last go round. So yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. All right, that's thank all the you. things right there. So huge thanks, to my friend Joan Shelley again. The new record is called "Like the River Loves the Sea." It is available now. 
And thanks to you for joining me for this episode as well. Before you get out of here, if you're listening on a place where you can subscribe, uh, I hope you leave a review and uh, and give this series a rating. And if you haven't subscribed, I do hope you hit that subscribe button as well. Uh, that does include iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Podchaser, and YouTube as well. After that, you can head to WFPK.org where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's a full hour of new song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and interviews as well. WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound, they've got your music and film news. You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. Come say hi. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.